You're listening to the Oklahoma Math Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the OK Math Podcast. I'm happy to bring to you today a very nice conversation that I had with Mr. Josh Flores, Director of Secondary English Language and Arts. And he and I are both actively working with wonderful committees to develop the math and English standards. So we just had a quick conversation. We actually covered quite a few topics, but a real nice little conversation about the progress that's been made with the standards and some of the exciting things that are coming up, including Engage OK, which is just around the corner. So I sure, I sure like uh, having chats with Josh, and I hope you enjoy it uh, as well. Uh, without further ado, here we go. All right. All right, so... It was weird because you texted me this morning. Or no, I texted you this morning mm-hmm. about standards. And you wanted to talk about standards. But I texted you because I had a nightmare about the standards. Yeah. So what did you want to talk about standards for? Why did you want to record the podcast about standards? Yeah, so I thought it would be nice. There's other topics, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I, for, I forgot what you texted. I was driving. Texting and driving? Well, I mean, it was, through on, the, it was the Google audio. It was like reading my text to uh, me, so it was safe. All right. I wasn't doing that. Good, good. All right. Uh, right. So the main thing was about standards. Well, I think, so obviously we're dealing with a lot of the same things. You know, the English standards writing process is occurring. The math standards writing process is occurring. And I thought, why don't we just make a cross-posted podcast just kind of talking about the current status, especially with Engage OK coming up where um, there will be a, a release at the town hall. Uh, that's my understanding is that the steering committee is going to be releasing the, the standards at the town hall. And Do you know when the town hall... Is it actually occurring? I think, I think, and I'd have to, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I believe the town hall is somewhere around 7 o'clock on the Tuesday, July 7th, 7th at the Cox Convention Center. Mm-hmm. That's my understanding. Uh, however, I don't have the specific agenda in front of me, but you can go to engageok.gov and, and get it. Nice plug in there. Thanks. Are you getting they're, they're, pay, they're, they're okay? paying me money for advertising for them. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, uh, it's I a paycheck. It is. It is. Are you pumped for Engage OK? I'm pumped for, yeah, I mean, I see. So I think we're going to have some good, decent sessions for math. I'm feeling all right about it. I did, mm-hmm. I don't want to give too much away, um, but last year I surveyed like 200 math teachers across the state, and I'm using that data to kind of talk about math leadership uh, on Wednesday and kind of what it means and what it looks like and what, what teachers feel about how they're being supported in schools. Uh, so I'm pretty I'm really excited about that. So, yeah, I feel good. That's good. How about you? Uh, mm, I don't know. Yeah? Is that it? I'm probably going to talk about reading and writing. That's and a surprise. I'm hoping <laughs> to do something on informative assessments, not necessarily formative assessments, but informative assessments as it pertains to English language arts. Informative yeah, interesting. Because so, I found like there's some discrepancies about using in the word formative because it is very technical, and the way I'm using it is very informal. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, uh, well, it is more directly what you care about because I think there are formative assessments that are just like little little like tricks of the trade that people do that maybe aren't really – you don't actually find out what the students know or don't know. They're just something that happens in the classroom for management or other other purposes. But there are the assessments that inform you are critical. That's what we want to talk about, right? Uh, am I am I on sure. track with what you're thinking? Well, no, because when no, I use the good. term formative assessments, 
uh, people think of benchmarks assessments, like official benchmark Ugh. assessments. And no. I'm like, that's no, not no. at all what I'm talking about. But they're like, well, you're going to get confused people if you use the term formative like that. I was oh, like, benchmarks are not good as a formative assessment. That's what I thought too. But I said, okay, well, then I'll switch it and I'll just call it informative assessments. Okay, I like that. It's like going to a wedding, but it's a wedding where you're allowed to wear jeans. <laughs> get it? But anyway, no, so not really. okay, but okay, well, so, never mind. No, but it's funny because I think benchmarks are a type of summative assessment that are given before the end. But they're still just a summative assessment primarily, unless you've seen better benchmarks than I've seen. Mm, I would say I would agree with you, but I think benchmarks, when they are given at the beginning, middle, and then towards the end, the beginning and middle, somehow that just factors in as a formative assessment, which... Well, because it informs your instruction supposedly, but sure. too often the benchmarks are done without really yeah. reliable or actionable data. And I'm talking about informative assessments. Yeah. I want a kid to address something very specific, yeah. some ex- explicit demand that I have on a 3 by 5 note card, and I pick that up, and that tells me exactly where they are at that moment. Cool. So, you know, Paige Keeley is like the pro researcher about quote-unquote formative assessments, but I'll, I'll refer to them as informative because I think they match what you're talking about. They're pr- they call, she calls them probes, formative assessment probes. Mm-hmm. And the formative assessment probe is given, and it probes into, <laughs> it probes into what the students you know, understand and what their misconceptions are. She's the one that wrote that, uh, was it the Science Facts book? Is that? Uh, so she wrote... Do I have that um, sitting around here? Paige Keeley wrote Uncovering Student Thinking in Science. And then she's got a number. It's got like 25. No, here it is. Here it is. There it is. Yeah. Boom. Science Formative Assessments, Practical Strategies for Linking Assessment, Instruction, and Learning. Yeah, it's a great book. So it's a beautiful book. But then also Cheryl Rose Toby uh, is the math version of Paige Keeley. They, they're colleagues, and she's done some great stuff. So I'll be, I actually have a session called The Eliciting Evidence of Student Thinking that I'm, I'm spending quite a bit of time talking about. It's so about. much more professional than my session. Yeah. Eliciting – Eliciting evidence of student thinking? I mean, come on. And mine's called Literacy, a Love Story. Yeah. Well, that's why you're in English and I'm in math. <laughs> Back on topic. Cool. Okay, so let's <laughs> talk about the standards. So uh, you want to – I was talking about some of the things that are coming up with Engage OK, but do you want to give a, like, a little summary of where we've come from? Uh, you're the storyteller. Maybe – Story to where it come from. Uh, no, you know, you know, I mean, let's not start back with like past and Common Core and all of the, the debacle that that was – Let's just start with. Um, so there was drama, and then when the dust settled, yeah, let's start. We created these the, writing teams. We had a yeah, executive executive director appointed by the state board. Then we had a steering committee mm-hmm. that appointed the executive director. I'm sorry, yeah, that's what happened first, right? The state board appointed the steering committee, who yep. then appointed an executive director, who then created some co-chairs: two for math, two for English. Those co-chairs are helping lead groups and grade bands of uh, writing team members. Yeah, yeah. so these are teachers, um, math and English educators primarily. Yeah. Some of them are curriculum coordinators in districts that have curriculum coordinators. Some of them are retired educators, and some of them are higher ed faculty. Uh, have I missed a, a group? Primarily those, no, those groups as far yeah. as auth- actually on the writing team. So that, that started around, really they got underway in April. Um, if I remember correctly. So we, we basically launched both English and math separately are working on this project, although it's under the same steering committee. Uh, and they, so, they, so they started working. They have all of this, this stuff done for like a June 1st. I think Target was that they would have a rough first draft that would go to some kind of local 
um, feedback processes, right? Right. So I think they had a few kind of uh, small kind of feedback loops that they that were created through the steering committee, and that information was sent back to the writing teams. And so here we are now. We've we've had that feedback back. Well, that's you know what I mean. We've had the feedback, and I don't know what's going on for English, but I'll tell you what's co- happening for math. Is is the feedback was good, but I think what we all knew really needed effort, uh, like close consideration was the vertical alignment across the grade levels. Like we felt great about it within grade bands. Right, mm-hmm. so our PK through four grade band, we're really feeling good about the vertical alignment. But we wanted to make sure that vertical alignment matched with the alignment that was happening in five through eighth grade, mm-hmm. fifth through eighth grade. So that's something that we've been working on. Uh, have you guys? What have you guys been doing in the meantime? So I think uh, the same issues. Vertical alignment is a big thing that everyone is concerned about. Yeah. To make sure, not concerned like it's not happening, but concerned like that this needs to be an emphasis. We need to do these standards. We need to do it right by putting an emphasis on vertical alignment yeah and uh again like i think i'd agree with what you said as far as like secondary grades five through 12 i mean alone it's beautiful right but i think they'll there will probably still be work to do to make sure that it's appropriate all the way down to the pre-k grade levels because i know that it has taken a bit longer for pre-k through those fourth grade standards only because they want to emphasize the importance of those um, phonics skills, yeah. and they want to make sure they do it right, and so that they are taking their time with that to make sure it is done right. Taking a lot of perspectives and working with that process slowly, and then um, you know they will be bridged at some point. Yeah. And I will look forward to the feedback at Engage. Okay, like that's the real that's the feedback we care about, right? Like yeah. from the teachers, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, I agree. Well, and so I think you bring up a good point. So like, uh, so we've been really concerned about vertical alignment and coherence across those. So like. You know, we we found little places in the work that we had done where maybe from one grade to the next, um, maybe there wasn't a clear point of growth for the students. So an example, uh, in, in the elementary grades, they're working on patterns. So maybe we see from one year the students are, are dealing with repeating and growing patterns, and then the next year we'd see the same, almost the same standard, would say students are dealing with uh, and interacting and whatever that may be with repeating and, and grow, growing uh, patterns. Well, whenever those two grade levels have almost an identical standard, there's not really an easy way for the teachers to understand what to focus on in one grade versus the other. So we had to go in and really say, okay, how are these differentiated from each other? And that's hard. That's hard work to be done. And then what it requires is a lot of thinking about what students are capable of at the grade level. So, you know, I'm sure you guys get questions about this always. Like, what's develop, quote unquote, developmentally appropriate? And, like, how do you find the right research to help you make those decisions? And so that's what we've spent a lot of time doing is saying, okay, when is when is a student able to comprehend uh, extending a pattern, and what evidence do we have that that's true? Right, that's a hard, that's hard. It's hard work. It's hard, tedious work, uh, which we you, you and I spent a lot of time talking about. Like we could probably have taken two years to write the standards, but instead we have like six months at best, right? <laughs> and I will say, despite that, I am impressed with what the teachers have put together. Isn't it silly? It's like silly how good it is. It is. It's ridiculous. And of course, you know, they had what three days, but yeah. you know, they knew that's not enough. Yeah. And so they volunteered their own time. They're yeah. not going to be compensated, but they knew that they would need more time and so they've gone past the budget, ignored it, and said, We're gonna get together anyways and we're gonna do this right. Yeah. Despite the time constraints. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that, I think that's impressive. So I'm, I'm excited. I agree. When teachers get their hands on it at starting at an age okay, I think that's going to be really good for us because basically, if I'm right, our goal is after we have all the teacher input launching from the point of engage okay, um, we are moving fr- very quickly into a phase where we have really a final product in the early fall, which is scary for me, right? Like that's a lot of work that still will have to be done. We want to make sure that we get the feedback and we incorporate the feedback and the suggestions and we get research and understand how things are pieced together. But by early fall, we're going to have some standards that people are going to have their hands on and say, yeah, these are going to be the standards that we're putting in front of the legislature in the, in the spring. That's pretty cool. And, you know, as a teacher, I'd be excited and I would want to jump into just using them. But, um, you know, like the nightmare I woke up with this morning that I was texting you yeah. about, Levi, I had this nightmare that there was still, you know, someone attached some controversy, whether valid or invalid, to the standards. And we're just going through the whole drama that we went through last year once we got up to that point to get them approved. And well, I think this is why we this is why in this approach, it's been really important. You know, even though it's been small on the first level, we've got input from people who are uh, educators, clearly, on the writing team, but not also non-educators, business and commerce and folks like that, you know, community members uh, in our some of our drafting processes and some of our feedback processes. Um, but I really hope that teachers across the state, community members, parents across the state, will take time starting in July to really get into these standards and make sense of them. And by the end of that, that they'll feel like that they've had a chance to have a say in these standards because I think you're right. Like, I think you're, you know, I'm anxious of controversy too. I, did you, well, we talked about this. There's a New York Times article that already said that Oklahoma adopted basically common core copy standards. So you know that people have misinformation about what's being used, right? So I'm, of course, I'm anxious about that. Did they ever reply to your tweet? Because I, I retweeted it in favor. No, of it. I know. I, I mean, I, I texted, I mean, I tweeted New York, Time, New York Times and said uh, that you got it wrong that we haven't adopted Common Core copied standards, that we're working on standards now. No, of course they didn't respond. Um, In case you're confused, our standards are pass. Yeah, our standards are pass, which were from 2009 at latest. Uh-huh. Like most of the standards that we actually have are from 2006. But, that, you know, well, we have, to, we have in mathematics, we have standards from 2006, 2007, and 2009, all in our one document. So, anyways... Obviously, there's confusion about that, and people are going to, you know, when we did our survey about the past standards, the one that we did for math, I don't know if this happened for you guys for English, we sent out the survey, uh, we had over a thousand responses, and the, the question was basically, um, you know, or the survey allowed for people to give comments about the past standards, the existing standards, the ones that we've had for a long time. And what, some of the comments that we got were, these are just copied and pasted Common Core. And um, it freaks me out. I'm like, no, of course it's not copied and pasted Common Core. This existed before Common Core. Common Core. So, so what I hope happens is that people, whenever they get into these, and I know that we have all the all the math educators will do this. Like they'll take a really close look at that, right? And they'll make make sense of it on their own. And I hope that I hope that people take the time to do that. I think they will. I, well, I want them to because I want them to believe in it. Whenever we move through move through this process. Yeah, I think I'm going to be very defensive about these standards just because they are so exciting for English language arts. I don't know if you are aware of this, and it was, you know, I'm not letting the cat out of the bag because you can find all this information at, what's our website? OK.gov backslash SDE backslash new standards. Yeah, I think they're forward slashes. Is there forward slashes? Okay. I don't know which direction. 
I think they're forged. When I post this on the website, okay. just put the web link on there. Yeah, yeah. But it's like it's on the State Department website and their new standards. It says and you new can, standards. Yeah, and you can Obviously. go look at all the documents that have been shared at the steering review, steering committee re- reviews. Yeah. And you know they shared some of the I guess philosophies and the goals for the English language art standards, and the goal was to go deep with less standards and so yeah. the first their goal was let's see if we can get it somewhere between 10 and 15 and what ended up happening after the the secondary groups kind of merged together because they were separated like there's a middle school group and a high school group and they decided to merge together and uh they came up with eight really broad standards and they're awesome yeah they're super awesome that's cool eight broad standards and of course each standard has a reading and a writing component yeah that, and it shows how they work together. They're not 16 separate standards. There's just eight with a reading and writing component cool. to each. And it's it's wonderful. It's a wonderful way to look, and it's something that a teacher could actually keep track of, I think. That's great. You know, we've had the we've balanced wanting to keep it, obviously, like the idea of going deeper. That's been really important. So we've moved some standards out of different grades. You know, this is a, a conversation that we have all the time. It's like if we're going to introduce that this concept at a certain grade and it's not even going to be mastered in that grade, why introduce it at that, at that point, you know? So like making sure that we don't introduce it things too early. Um, but we've also had a, and I wonder if you guys have dealt with this. Um, so we have, uh, you know, kind of these broad standards, then we have kind of what we call objectives or substandards. I like objectives better. Um, these objectives that help clarify. And so in some of our areas, what we're dealing with is trying to figure out how do we, how do we make sure that our standards are very explicit about the content without, you know, kind of scaring people with adding more, you know, objectives to the list for their grade level. But what we found, and I want, I don't know how it's all going to be dealt with yet, but what we found is that some of the standards that are in our current past documents, uh, have a whole lot of hidden standards. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. So it's like this one standard, and it sounds like a nice, concise standard, but really whenever a teacher teaches, teaches that standard, it's got, you know, it's weeks of work that aren't even mentioned anywhere in the document. So what we've tried to do is whenever that, when, when we find things like that, we try to write the standards to make it more explicit for what the teacher does um, or what the, at least what the student's going to be doing. So that's been a challenge, I think. But it's an oppor- it's a good opportunity so long as people are willing to, you know, kind of take it for what it is and and compare it, you know, critically to what we've had before. So do me a favor, go ahead and mute that the the, audio? the background. Yeah, like I don't know, my relaxing music just got loud. It got loud. So, yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, all right. So does so, this go all? The, does this go back to some of the things that I know you always talk about, and I and I feel like I adopt, or you can say steal. You can say steal. I steal your your verbiage about stewardship, but oh, if yeah. we want these standards to be supported, doesn't it go back to advocacy and stewardship in a way? Oh gosh. I mean, I think so, but I think, I, mean, I feel I, like the teachers that came together, the reasoning behind, of course there's research based and that's all outlined in the first draft about the research that supports their decisions. Yeah. But the reasoning for creating standards with reading and writing together and trying to, put a limit to just broad but eight standards only they were advocating for teachers because they understand being from the classroom exactly the multitude of projects and mandates that all teachers have to deal with and this should be something that helps not hurts yeah 
That's great. And so I think that advocacy started almost with uh, that was the discussion that started with the development of these standards. Yeah, I think that you're right. So people in the math group, right, whenever they come together, not ever, not every style of a school is represented, right? We have some teachers that are from small schools or big schools or you know rural and urban, but it's not every school that's represented perfectly. But what I love about it is even though we're a really small team, and that's the way that the steering team, you know, the steering committee designed how many people we could have on the writing team. So we did, it's not like we had kind of flexibility to add a whole host of folks. I think the same was true for English. Um, but what's fantastic about it is not only are those people there advocating for what's great for the students in general, but they're asking specific questions about what does this look like and feel like in a school that's got one math teacher and you know, in middle school or one high school math teacher or, you know, any number of situations. What if you don't have a curriculum coordinator helping you out to understand the standards? Should the standards be written in a way that you can digest them easily? And so I think that's ca- caused a lot of interesting conversations. So one of our goals this year for the, for these new standards is that each, each standard and all of its objectives will have a classroom example provided with it in a support document. And our, our end goal is that that's, that's available in one document. So it'll actually be combined together. So whenever you're reading a standard and you're trying to make sense of it, you're going to see what, what that looks and feels like, which I think is fascinating because we want to support every teacher in, in you know, understanding these standards and being able to implement them. And that's good advocacy, right? That's just them. That's just the people who've come to the table saying, what should we be fighting for? We should fight for all students, no matter who and where they are, who, you know? And and then create the landscape that makes that doable. I'm going to call you out. Let's do it. Didn't you just steal that from science teachers? You know, science teachers did some really good stuff in their standards, clearly. But they didn't have examples yet. And I think that's where we're really... Oh, I thought that was part of them, though. They had the... I don't know. They, the way they have it set up, it's really informative document. Oh, no. I, I love the science document. So I wish that we had the time to go and approach our math standards the way that science has theirs um they have really good progressions they had a lot of a lot of good research to kind of draw upon and they have connections to math and english on their on their standards but what they don't have inside their standards document are examples of what it looks like in the classroom there are i think what you're maybe mentioning is that they have the science frameworks project that's it that'll be coming out i think it'll be coming out next school year that's going to have examples of you know classroom types and you know storylines and instruction so I, I'd like to actually get to that point as well. These Our examples will be kind of just standard-specific. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. one thing that I, I look forward to personally. It's like I think it's going to be so much fun to implement. Like It's yeah. going to be fun to create uh, you know, workshops about implementation and talking about them to teachers yeah. and how to implement them. Are you guys making notes of like, oh, you know, this is going to need a lot of professional development? Like if you, if you, when you write a standard that this will be a, a need? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've actually found that to be really exciting. Yeah, like that's, that's encouraging it, to me. Yeah, I'm like, okay, we'll need PD on, you know, this idea here. Like, we have a we have a, a what we've called a mathematical action and process. One of them is making generalizations and conjectures. Well, that can be that can sound really scary, but it's language that we've had in our process standards in Oklahoma for a, for a long time. But when that, one of the conversations is, what does that even mean for for little kids? What does it mean for middle school or high school kids? And how do we differentiate? that kind of language for those grade levels. I think that's going to be fun to, to explore with folks. So I think that comes to the, uh, you know, the, the one question that everyone's going to be asking is, are these vastly different from the past standards? From the past, 
from the past to past standards. That's right. Priority academic student skills. Yeah, that's right. Are they vastly different? Well, so I'll say one thing. Math is math in some regard, right? Like, will students be adding and subtracting, multiplying and dividing and dealing with ratios and proportions and slope and quadratics and all this stuff? Yeah. Um, will it be identical to pass or will it um, be kind of a one-to-one crosswalk with pass? I don't think that's going to be the situation for math. But I think I think we'll see a lot of pass in it, but we'll see a lot of other things in it as well, especially Minnesota. That's if if you recall, the steering committee advised heavily to to think about Minnesota because Minnesota's math standards, uh, once they were implemented, uh, really they saw some great results on the National Assessment for Education Progress exam, the NAEP exam. So we've been using Minnesota heavily, looking at other states as well. Not Common Core. That was explicitly directed. Do not ever look at Common Core. So we haven't. So, but I don't think they'll look just like pass. So they will they be vastly different? Vastly different is a harder thing to say because I think there's so much. There's only so many ways that you can say that students are going to learn how to multiply, right? Will students learn their multiplication facts? Absolutely. Will the standard be listed the exact same way that it was? I don't think so. How about yours? Uh, I think you're going to see everything that is in pass. But it's going to be, maybe this is the wrong terms, but I think it's just going to be segmented out in a way that's easier to grasp, not just for teachers, but for students and parents. And I think that's yeah. another thing that's important. They wanted, like, it would be nice if uh, parents could follow it along. Yeah. We're, you know, we're thinking about building a whole other document that basically captures each standard in more lay terms. Mm-hmm. You know we have we have language in mathematics that can be really scary for people if they're not math if they're not mathematical if they're not horrifying math background. horrifying language like people just tear up immediately when we talk about it I'm crying now thinking about it yeah and so we want to you know help calm down that fear and and really like just really soothe people a little bit <laughs> so so we're having some ideas because it can be scary so like some people uh, there's a word in math called subitize have you ever heard this word. I'm going to start crying. See, that's what it okay. does to people because we know that it's a specialized, jargon-rich word mm-hmm. that can really freak people out. But really all it means – so I'm going to do something that the audience can't hear, right? Anybody listening can't hear. But I want, to, I want you to tell me how many fingers I'm holding up. You ready? Okay. Real fast. Four? Four. And I just – that was a split second, right? Right. Split second. Did you have a ca- chance to count each one? No. It was all perif. It was just – it was what? Perif? Peripheral? Peripheral. Okay, so that's, that's a nice way. Like you just saw it and you just like were like, ooh, that's definitely a four. That's subitizing. It's this ability to recognize quantity without having to count each one of them. Ah. Right? But nobody – little kids don't need to know the word subitize. Right. Parents don't need to know the word subitize. Right? So taking out the esoteric language for parents. Yes. But for the adults, for the, for the math educators – the idea, the ability to develop that in, in a student, they need to know about subitizing because we have a really good research base about how that's developed. It. So, that's super interesting because I've been going over this very specific, like specialized language in terms that we use because I've been doing a little bit of a phonics training this week. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it just boggles me that elementary teachers have to keep up with all this. And I'm like, do a, the students don't really need to understand grapheme, morpheme, phonological awareness. I mean, no, no. but 
teachers, you know, maybe maybe that is good for them because we should be specialized in our subject areas. So it's good to have those terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this. There are the things that we know that we don't have to tell our students, right? Like I know calculus. It doesn't mean I'm going to tell my kids about calculus every time I teach algebra one, but I can be I can be aware of those ideas, and it can inform my instruction, especially when it comes to pedagogy. The ways of teaching, subitizing is an example. That's a way that students interact with mathematics. So. Anyhow, hey, I think this is a good introduction slash overview of all the things that are going on in the world of math and English standards. What do you think? Yeah, I, mean, I know you have to get to a really important meeting. Yeah, pretty soon. Um, incredibly important meeting. Right. Yeah. Good. So, how about this? Why don't we get this posted on the ELA OK podcast uh-huh. and the OK Math podcast? Okay. So that'd be great. And when it's out, we'll both share it, and we'll see who gets the most listens. I mean. Transparency is always good, and it's a way to promote Engage OK. Like, everyone, come to Engage OK. It's going to be huge. Are, are you going to Engage OK? Uh, you know, I still need to register. I need to register, too, but I think I'm go- I'm going to be there. But as long as I register, yeah, I'll, there's I'll get a, in there. You know, there's an Ed Camp. Don't forget, folks, Ed Camp on the Tuesday. Are you going to be at Ed Camp? I'm, I'll definitely be at Ed Camp. Okay. I know I'm coming to Ed Camp. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm presenting at the rest of it. So, <laughs> yeah, so I'll be there. That's exciting. So, cool. Uh, we should do this again and just, okay. you know. Talk shop it doesn't have to be all about standards. Yeah. Is there anything else? I, I can think of a couple things. One other thing. Just one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Timesheets. Ah. Uh, well, go learn how to do your timesheet. I already know how to do mine. Yeah, I'm gonna go to that meeting real fast. So. Okay. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care of yourself, take care of your students, and take care of each other. Oklahoma Math Podcast.